The nail in the coffin! It's a post-NBA trade deadline edition of the Nail in the Coffin, a busy day. Trav, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling a lot better than I did about 24 hours ago when it comes to our favorite basketball team. Yeah, we had a uh, pretty fun little evening last night um, between the Cavs and Ohio State, and then without playing today, they somehow seem to make it pretty interesting as well. Yeah, a lot, lot happening. So to help us uh, break it all down, we've got uh, Jeff Domina, one of our good friends from uh, Waiting for Next Year, first time on uh, The Nail. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm doing great because I enjoyed the trades, but I'm doing terrible because I'm terrified of my data charges from refreshing Twitter like a million times today. <laughs> this is the first time I set up push notifications for Woj and Mark Stein and Shams. And I think I might have done it for a couple other writers as well. I, I always see all the people that are like super into the NBA on Twitter always do this around deadline day. And I've kind of fought the urge, but I just felt like today was going to have so much stuff happen and I had to do it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was one of those days that did not disappoint. Um, Cavs traded out six players today. I saw that that is the that ties for the most players ever dealt by one team on a deadline day in the past 30 years. And uh, the only other team that's done that was the Cavs 10 years ago. So uh, uh, history repeats itself. Uh, now I'm going to start with you. Um, top line uh, impressions. Um, we certainly knew this team had some needs. When we woke up this morning, uh, were those addressed sufficiently? Uh, I think to, to a point. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those trades where it's whenever you get a bunch of new guys, especially young guys, it's fun to think that they're all going to work out and be perfect and be great. And you know, <laughs> the odds are that that's not going to happen as a, as a person who rode hard on the Dion waiters Island there for years. Uh, <laughs> but I think we got some interesting parts. I think a couple of them will click. And I, if nothing else, I think, I think one thing we've seen from LeBron is that he likes to pout in January. And then after trades are made, he suddenly starts trying and the team suddenly magically starts looking better. And we kind of assign it to the trades, but, but, you know, was Timothy Mozgov really the guy that turned around the season or did LeBron just kind of <laughs> realize this was his roster and start trying? I don't know. So I, I think we're likely to see better results of these significantly better players. Maybe not, but they probably fit a little bit better. Well, I definitely think it was kind of telling that he might have flipped a switch to some degree, at least. Uh, apparently he was briefed on what could be coming down before the game last night. And then he went out and had his best game of the year. And uh, put the team on his back pretty much down the stretch and hit the buzzer beater in overtime. So uh, I, I don't know. It, uh, if, if you're looking for body language, and God knows we've seen a lot of uh, bad body language over the last month or six weeks or so, it was refreshing to, to see everybody chest bumping and high-fiving, um, unless your name was Isaiah Thomas. Trav, did you <laughs> notice that during the uh, the celebration last night? I think it was difficult to miss. Um, <laughs> I mentioned like last night, uh, someone else you know made the obvious joke about how he's just getting blown off. And as the guy who has spent his life being the short guy on every team he's been on, um, I felt Isaiah's pain, but I also just wanted him the hell out of town. So I didn't really care that much. Um, it was of all the people you would think he'd run towards. 
I'm not sure how many you'd have to go through before you got to Jetty Osman. Um, <laughs> so that was sort of hilarious in and of itself. And the fact that Isaiah's just sitting there pulling at him like a little brother, like, hey, let me get in on this. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it's really as, as bad as it looked. Um, but I, I want to know what does a what does an Isaiah Thomas LeBron James chest bump look like? Like LeBron just doesn't jump. Does Isaiah have to jump all the way? And LeBron so it probably like involves a step ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe LeBron just knew how uncool it would look and was or just something avoiding. really awkward and inappropriate. Yeah, the levels I mean, just don't match up. <laughs> I mean, none of this is wrong, but at the same time, I mean, I think it was painfully obvious seeing these guys on the floor. I mean, you know, the other night Tristan goes down and Crowder and, and IT basically look at him and jog the other way and don't help him up. And, you know, you guys not helping on defense when somebody else gets beat, not rotating, not boxing out, a lot of glaring. Um, and, and just kind of, I don't know if you saw too many of the quotes that came out of Kobe Altman's press conference tonight, but I mean, yeah, there were obviously some talent issues with this roster, but at the same time, I think more than anything else, this was a culture thing. And we can joke about the, the celebration last night with it, but you know, these guys did not like each other very much. And um, I, I think the thing that surprised me was it, they were able to, you know, kind of get through that this long and it made it all the way to, to deadline day with the, with the trade deadline. I, I reached a point about two or three weeks ago where I remember texting one of our friends. I said, there's no way that they can let this thing drag all the way out to the trade deadline. And they did. And, um, you know, here we are, we're going to, we're going to see some new faces. Um, now I'm going to ask you I, three big trades were made. Um, anything in particular surprise you? Um, on any of those trades or I know you had kind of been sizing up some different targets and I think you had referenced uh, uh, several of these guys that uh, ended up uh, being acquired um, in a story you did for uh, WFNY not too long ago. Um, what what uh, what jumped out at you when you saw the hall? Uh, you know, Hood and Hill were guys that just made too much sense. Yeah, that Those didn't surprise me at all. Uh, the Wade trade was obviously surprising, but not in like a player acquisition way. Like, yeah, it makes sense. He wanted to go back. It was shocking that he wanted to leave LeBron, but whatever. Um, I think the Lakers trade was fascinating on a lot of levels. You know, the first, just giving them cap space since they're the Bain LeBron suitors. And second, it's been reported by nearly everybody that the Lakers were trying to get off Jordan Clarkson, but everybody was forcing them to attach an asset to it. And it was pretty surprising. The Cavs had to give up a first round pick. Um, you know, they got Nance, but they had to take on Clarkson's really bad contract um, and give up a first. It just seemed that when that when that deal came out was the first deal. It felt like, oh, no, this is all going to be very bad. Um, and luckily, the, the next deal came out and kind of salvaged it. But, you know, I think that was the most shocking thing is that we had to give up a pick um, to get those guys. And I don't think it was necessarily a horrible trade, but it's just I don't know that we got a ton of value there. Trev, how about you? Yeah, I don't know. I was. It's funny because I when the trade came down, I was trying to look up contracts for the guys because I didn't really know what their statuses were, um, and SpotTrack.com was not working for me. Uh, I don't know what happened. It seemed to crash today at like the worst time, um, so that was sort of frustrating in and of itself. But I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's it was far more about culture I think than it was um, the talent or the guys that you actually added. It's hard to look at these guys and say you know that they're considerably better than 
any of the guys that we got rid of or anything like that, it, I think it became clear really quickly that the Isaiah Thomas experiment was not working. Um, I honestly, I don't know about you guys. I was hearing a lot that it seemed like he was not going to be traded for just about anything. So the like, I, I feel like I heard several reputable people come out this morning and say, yeah, Isaiah's not going anywhere. Don't get your hopes up for that. And then like two hours later, he was on the way out the door. Um, so I'm not sure what exactly happened there. I'm glad because I, he just, the way he plays, ignoring like the, the attitude things. I don't want to say that, you know, he has attitude problems, but he didn't, he just didn't seem to fit with this team on the floor either. Um, so there's a multitude of reasons why I'm glad he's gone. Um, for those reasons alone, none of the guys that we're losing are guys that I'm really all that bummed to be losing, except for maybe Channing Fry. But that really just revolves around who he is in the locker room, I think. I don't know that it has a whole lot to do with what he's doing on the floor even. It's incredible that less than two years removed from winning the title, the Cavs are down to four guys from that team with with Channing and Shump. Uh getting uh, sent out today. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we could kind of go around on Isaiah just because, I mean, I think he was in a really impossible spot just trying to come back from an injury in a contract year in a situation like this with the Cavs. And especially when he has a style of play that I think is pretty obvious at this point did not mesh well with uh, the role that the Cavs needed him to play. Um, but it was just really incredible to see how quickly he burned bridges on his way out of town and just how quickly the public sentiment turned on him. I mean, let's be honest, Jay Crowder hasn't been particularly great this year either, and he's been playing all season, and I think everybody's been quietly uh, disappointed with, with what he's done. I mean, he's kind of started to come around a little bit in the last month, I guess, but was not what he had been advertised to be. But um, I don't think anybody was necessarily grabbing torches and pitchforks to, to you know, be the angry mob uh, driving him out of town. So um, I really think just, you know, a lot of the, the comments that we heard in post-game press conferences from Isaiah just really, I mean, it wasn't criticizing teammates. It was criticizing the coaching staff for not making adjustments, um, which Ty Lue yesterday just was like, that's not true. Um, it, uh, yeah, just an ugly situation all around. Probably the best for him to go get a fresh start somewhere else. Um, the, the Wade thing, I think for me personally, was the most surprising. Um, I, I think it was a good move in that the Cavs, you know, wanted to do right by a player that they respected and somebody that was clearly important to LeBron. Um, but A, the reason they shipped him out, I, I this they want to go younger. Um, I had not really gotten a feel that that was the direction they wanted to go at all up to this point this season. I've, I've been screaming for Jetty to get more minutes, and he it, it seems like that never happens. And um, the other thing that was surprising, I had not heard any whispers that it if you guys please jump in here if, if you have, but I hadn't heard any whispers that Wade was, uh, you know, looking to get back to Miami at like this year and was like ready to kind of scrap it here. I, I kind of figured he was going to be somebody that was going to play a pretty important role in May and June. 
Yeah, I thought the same thing. I didn't hear any of the whispers, and it, and it sort of seemed weird when it came down because it. And by all accounts, this what everybody seems to be reporting is just that the team went to him and said, "Hey, your role is going to change a lot. Um, if you want, we can we can ship you off. If you want to be here, great. It's up to you." And he obviously chose to go back to Miami. I don't. I don't know that they. I think it's just that they determined he wasn't in their plans. But if that's the case, I don't. I don't think there's any downside to keeping him. I, I, I don't really get the point of the move in general. I guess if you just want to, you know, be be nice to him, that's that's fine. I guess, but I, I don't see what what benefit there is for him out of it. The only thing I'll say is that it did come out that it was Isaiah and Dwayne Wade that were leading the charge on questioning Love when he was out. And it feels like this was a bit of a purge of any of that. Any any of the guys that were, you know, questioning guys and creating problems in the locker room, it sounds like they were gone. And he might be LeBron's friend, but maybe Kobe Altman was just saying, you know, anybody who's who's going to go against the core guys is out of here and we're going to bring a new batch in because we can't have this. And if that's the case, it would be the first time in four years that the Cavs franchise did a solid for Kevin Love. So, <laughs> you know, Long overdue. I'm, yeah, if that's what it was, then then more power to him because that dude deserves a, a couple of pats on the back <laughs> for what he's been through. Well, it certainly helps then that they had somewhere to gracefully send Wade. I mean, he is revered down in Miami, and you know I don't think it's surprising that he would want to end his career there. I didn't think it would happen in the middle of this season. But, um, you know, I, I think that was probably a, a good way. If, if that was the objective from the front office uh, – I think that's certainly a good way to keep everybody involved happy. I, I don't. I mean, I think LeBron even came out right away on Instagram today and you know showed a picture of Dwayne Wade in a Miami Heat jersey and was talking about Wade County and in, in the whole nine yards down there. So um, may, maybe that was all for the best as well. I gotta say, um, this felt like a good day for the Cavs front office. They, they've taken a beating for years and especially so I think within the past uh I don't know seven or eight months however long you want to go back to the, the finals last year and you know just basically since that offseason started um it's been ugly I, I don't think anybody would chalk up last summer as being good for the team um I, I think it's pretty fair to say at this point that uh it, <laughs> it's not looking like they won the Kyrie trade um but uh you know they've taken a lot of criticism from a lot of respected writers and NBA media types, and today I feel like they got more uh, positive reviews for what they did than I've seen in a long time, and it was it was almost jarring to see like oh the Cavs did something really smart today, and I don't know I mean I don't need validation from you know outside media, but it it's kind of nice to you know be told like hey your front office has a good plan here and and, and they're doing good things. As yeah, somebody who needs lots of validation. Uh, <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. And these were complex trades too. So this wasn't, you know, this wasn't, everybody likes to push the, oh, Dan Gilbert's doing everything. You know, these were trades that clearly Kobe Altman had put together and clearly he's a competent GM and clearly, you know, he has a pulse on, on what's going on with the team, what's going on with fit and communicated it with, with LeBron and everything else. So, you know, I think I, I'm not going to sit here and, defend Dan Gilbert at all, but I think that we saw Kobe Altman is at least a competent general manager. I, I think I'm I'm hesitant to heap too much praise on a 
uh, front office that you know you know their move is completely scrapping their entire team in the middle of the season <laughs> so, so so i'm not going to go too nuts um but for all intents and purposes i think you know tino you and i have said a few times um we were totally comfortable getting rid of a lot of guys um there was a handful of guys that we had mentioned you know like guys that we'd like to you know keep and anybody else can kind of be gone um and for the most part those four or five guys are still here, you know? So, um, on that front, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's a step in the right direction. I don't know. It's the big, you know, thing everybody talks about is just to get them closer to winning a championship. I don't think they're close. Does it get them closer? Maybe, but I don't think the gap between Golden State and the Cavs was so massive that nothing that happened today was going to close it that much, I don't think. Even if they did go get DeAndre Jordan or one of those big names that get that uh, were being thrown around forever. So on that front, I think, you know, that, that kind of is what it is. Does it make them maybe safer to get out of the East? Okay, but that's, that's sort of the end of that, I think. Well, you might well, that's, not necessarily... But... No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I agree that it doesn't make the odds of beating Golden State are so minuscule that this doesn't move the needle enough. And to your point, there wasn't a move that was going to. I mean, if we added Paul George, were we even favorites? No. You know, we're still, what, 30, 40% chance to beat them. So, you know, I don't, I agree that we keep grading on that curve and that curve is probably impossible. But I think it's really important to at least get out of the east because we have been dunking on raptors and celtics fans for so long that if they got at us <laughs> on this one it was just going to be miserable we can't sit through to that <laughs> like we need lebron to leave and then everybody can make fun of us for that and that's fine but losing to one of those teams with lebron is something i just don't know if we can live down yeah if lebron leaves you know what we already heard all those jokes okay we heard this last time it's not i'll take those i don't care um, right, but yeah, I think I'm with you. I don't, I don't want to sit through that for, especially with how long the playoffs last. God, it's brutal. All right, so Trev, you said you're not going to give them a lot of credit for having to turn over half their roster in the middle of the season. I actually will. Um, I am going to give them credit because it's okay. You can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Uh, no, you know what? I, I am because I think it. They they. They showed a lot to me by being willing to admit that the guys that they acquired last summer in the Kyrie deal were a disaster and it didn't work. And I'm not sure I would have believed a couple of weeks ago that they were going to be willing to do that. I mean, we're hearing stuff about how Isaiah's texting with Dan Gilbert all the time and they're close and, and this, that, and Jake Crowder's on a great contract, so he's not going anywhere. And, um, you know, I, I really... I, I'm not sure a lot of GMs would be willing to to basically wipe the slate clean and, you know, cut their losses on guys that quickly, um, you know, and, and move on. And frankly, they had to, you know, are they necessarily going to, um, you know, like, like you guys are saying, is it, you know, is this close the gap with Gold State? I don't know. I mean, I, I think just having better chemistry and having a locker room full of guys that don't want to go, you know, beat each other up, uh, that's a step in the right direction. Um, I, I think we're going to see some interesting rotations from here on out. 
Um, I, I, it brought a sense of optimism back that just flat, flat out wasn't there for the last couple of months. I think everybody involved in that organization knew they were dead in the water if they uh, just stayed the course. Um, and it was infuriating to watch at times, but uh, at least now you feel like you got a little bit of a reset button and, and something new to look forward to and, and some new guys. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's a refresh. Yeah. And I want to put one more thing about the front office. LeBron pushed every button he has to put pressure on those guys. I mean, he was, you know, pretty clearly not giving hundred percent effort. He was, I mean, maybe this is conspiracy theory, I guess, but who do you think got that report that he's going to go to Golden State? I mean, that happened three hours after a, a bad Cavs loss to Chris Haynes, who has always been, you know, a guy who breaks LeBron news. It, it felt like he was doing everything he could to force that front office to make a move. And they waited until the day of the trade deadline when they could get the best terms and weren't desperate and teams didn't have them over barrel. And, and you know, I'll, I will give credit for that for a young GM to be able to withstand the heat from LeBron when he was turning it up as much as he could. Uh, you know, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've, I spent the last like week being really, really angry with Dan Gilbert. So I, I guess I'll, I'll ease off it a little bit. Oh um, no. I, I mean, Dan Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I'm purely talking from a general manager standpoint here. Okay. Um, I mean, we've, we've, up until today, we've been kind of hearing that Cody Altman's sort of just a figurehead, right? And Dan's pulling all the strings, and he's he's way too involved, and he needs to get the hell out of the way. Um, today, after all these moves, it seems like that narrative shifted a little bit, which I don't know if that's – I don't know which one of those is, is the case or not. We had heard that Dan loved Isaiah, right, and wanted to keep him around and – he was obviously the first guy out the door today. Do we have any sort of feel for what, you know, who who's calling? I guess who's actually calling all the shots and whatnot at this point? It feels like it's it's probably a mixed bag, and we don't really have a good, no, a good I, act. And I don't know. I mean, just being on the outside looking in, I don't know that we'll ever know that. Um, I think it's easy to default to the position of if they do something we like, oh, it's the GM, and if they do something terrible, oh, the owner's meddling too much again. Um, so, I mean, who, who knows that, <laughs> uh, I, I will just kind of bring it back to like why we've been frustrated with Dan Gilbert. I mean, there've been enough stuff happening and, and enough negative stories written over the last week or two that I was getting to a point where it, it be, became for me just kind of looking beyond this year, you know, is it so much that LeBron might leave or as crazy as this sounds is Dan Gilbert pushing him out the door? Um, you know, you, you hear the stories like, oh, he's tired of being, you know, pressured by LeBron to do this, that, and the other. And, he, you know, the Cavs were the only team last year in the league to lose money, if you believe that. It was at Forbes that had the uh, the report that came out. And, um, you know, Dan wants to take control back of his franchise. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the speculation can kind of get out of control, but, I mean – among many other things, I felt like just the money that they're taking on beyond this year. I mean, that Clarkson deal um, and, and the other guys that they acquired, uh, it certainly seems like they're not 
necessarily going to be tightening the purse strings anytime soon. And it seemed like they're, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel worried that they don't want LeBron around after this year anymore. No, that's very true. And in terms of what you go to Dan Gilbert, my guess would be on most days he's fine and let's, lets the you know basketball guys do basketball and then there's days where he comes in and doesn't let that happen <laughs> yeah that'd be my my take on it but i agree with you that he turned into such a, a boogeyman this week with all, everything that was written that you know i i think this was a little bit reassuring that he was willing to let the basketball people make basketball decisions he was willing to take on money he was willing to do the smart things to let the team operate in the best way and to set themselves up to to give LeBron what he wanted and to try to keep him around. And I mean, that's all you can ask for. And they kept the Brooklyn pick. That was the, you know, we, we got to pay attention to net scores still for the rest of the year. Guys, I'm so obsessed with the Nets. Pick. It's like, it's, <laughs> I it's had to bad. bring it up. <laughs> Are you like all I'm... in on the conspiracy theories? Like there was, there was one elaborate one today and I, it might have even been you. I don't know who it was, but someone was mentioning like, well, they traded all these guys None of them are going to be like none of them may be available tomorrow against the Hawks, but losing to the Hawks could help the Brooklyn pick and like these elaborate like schemes that people think the Cavs are actually like taking into account with their moves. And it's just it's 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 taken on a life of its own at this point. It's so much fun as tanking without having to lose. It's the best scenario in the world because you get to watch all the, the scores and, and configure it and, and figure out who's playing who. You know, the Magic play the Hawks tonight. Like, I don't know who I want to win that game. It's really important for either team. It's, it's pretty intense. And, you know, the Cavs lost to the Nets that one game. If they hadn't done that, the, you know, where would they be right now? It's 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 so much fun to to follow all of it without actually losing. And also, you know, it's, it's going in the right direction. It's looking more and more like it could be a top five pick in that changes a lot of things as well so it's you know the future of the franchise sort of hinges on that because if it ends up a top three pick that probably opens up more trade options or you know lets us get a, a really elite player all right so do speak- you think if really quick do you think if it's if it's a pick that's that high if it's you know top three that they use it as a trade piece because i don't oh, yeah you think so um i mean i i if lebron is going to stay or wants to stay and you could go get, you know, John Wall is openly fighting with teammates on TV right now. If you could go get John Wall, yeah, it seems like a pretty good move, right? I, you know, I think there's moves out there that, that you would definitely have to say. Now, I'm not saying that the Pelicans would even think about this, but, you know, they've been thrown in flux with the Boogie Achilles thing. If we land at one, do they listen on an Anthony Davis call? I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, it opens up some more options. I think... If LeBron's going to stay and there's a star finally available, like a John Wall or something, I I would definitely look at trading. I wouldn't be happy about it. You know, I, I would be more upset than I was with the Wiggins trade just because I never really liked Wiggins as a prospect as much. But um, I definitely would, would explore who was available. Okay, stupid secondary question. How when they're, When teams are putting trades together and they're trying to match up salaries, how do they value draft picks? Meaning like in a dollar amount or just in general? Yeah. So say, you know, you have to be within, I think it's 25% one way or the other um, for a trade to work. If, if the salaries match up that way, can you just throw in draft picks and they count as nothing or what? Like how? Yeah. Yeah. They count as zero dollars. Yeah. Cause I think you're technically trading the rights to a player. You're not necessarily trading the player himself. 
Like okay. you got those guys that get stashed over in Europe and things like that that don't sign for years, like well, like Jetty, for example. Okay. I'm not comfortable talking about trading, Jetty. I, I, I might have to hang up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is the last time I will ever use those words in, in that configuration ever again. You have my uh, my promise on that. But now just kind of talking about some of the other teams around the league, um, besides uh, the plot that we obviously need to hatch to uh, start uh, muddying the waters in Washington more with uh, planning stories to get John Wall uh, sufficiently pissed off and demanding a trade. Um, are, are, Nam, were you surprised that like Boston and Toronto. I mean, I think Toronto might have made some really small move, but I don't even remember. But those two teams were pretty quiet today. Um, were you surprised by that? Because th- those are pretty much the the two teams you're looking to have to go through uh, to win the East again. Um, I think Boston is being smart and realizing that while this year has been fun and they've won a lot of games, it's all about next year and the year after. And so they weren't really ready to give up any assets to, to do anything too crazy, uh, which is probably the right move. Toronto is in a weird spot where they have – they're just so incredible at acquiring like good young players, but none of them are great, but they're all too good to trade because you're not going to get equal value. So they're just in a weird spot where they have a deep roster of really nice players, but none of them are enough to go get you something better. So you know they're in a weird spot for a trade. Um, I'm surprised neither team made like a smaller move. Uh, but uh, I'm not surprised that they didn't do anything major. All right. So probably tr- turning ahead to the uh, the buyout market, uh, sounds like that could be kind of crowded. I, I saw quite a few names popping up today. Uh, Brooke Lopez obviously has gotten a lot of talk already, although I'm not sure he's totally amenable to a buyout yet. Um, I saw Joe Johnson's name get thrown out there, although he's already being linked to Houston. I think I even saw Nerland's Noel. Uh, possibly uh, becoming a buyout candidate as well. Uh, other names that you've heard um, and anybody in particular that uh, could become available that you'd like to see the Cavs go after? I saw a name come down today who uh, gave us a good 57 seconds last year. Uh, Andrew Bogut's <laughs> back out there. <laughs> we want to try that all over again. Uh... Um, Brooke Lopez, though, I heard um, really doesn't want to leave L.A., um, and I heard Nerlens Noel, actually, the Mavericks really want to see what he can do the rest of the season before they decide that. So I don't think he'll be one either. I think Nerlens Noel is like an okay player, and I hope that Dallas plays him a whole bunch because <laughs> that means they're getting more wins and, and the Brooklyn Pick is only getting better. <laughs> it all goes back to the Brooklyn Pick. All of it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, though. You know, Nerlens would be the most interesting name to me because then we have Chetty and Hood and... You have Nerlens, and all of a sudden we have a bunch of guys that are youngish, and you can really build around um, and get something sustainable going. Brooke Lopez probably makes the most sense in terms of a rim protector who can also space the floor. Um, yeah, he probably fills the most obvious need. I was talking earlier about how I'm worried about you know spacing the floor a little bit. I think that um, he would be a really good fit. And you never know if these guys are posturing, you know. When they're saying they don't want to be bought out, what they're saying is you're going to have to pay me all my contract to get me out of here. So <laughs> F you pay me, we'll see. It, right? And hey, that's the right. That were me, I would, <laughs> I would totally be saying that. So, uh, but it's hard to know which guys are sincere with that and which guys are just trying to get paid. Beyond just specific names, I mean, if if you start looking more broadly at positions, it it seems like they would, the Cavs' primary target would be somebody to shore up the front court here. I'm guessing. 
Yeah, that's where I would be looking. I mean, I think, you know, there's rumors that maybe like a Tyreek Evans or something could be bought out, which seems crazy. Um, So they could have at least traded him for some seconds if they were going to do that. Uh, So, but yeah, I I would think that that would be my route. Trev, you sounded like you wanted to jump in there. No, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I'm not sure I know who exactly. I don't know that it's one of those things you kind of have to see how it plays out and see who's going to be available to really start guessing. I don't know that there's any names that really jumped out at me or got me excited. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they probably still need a big guy. I think we all probably expected them to try to add one today. Um, and it was kind of surprising that they shipped a bunch of guys out, added a bunch of new guys, but still didn't really fill that role. Um, but that's okay. I don't know. I'm not heartbroken over that. Um, yeah, I think that's really the only way to go. They are adding Kendrick Perkins, but I think that's going to be guy at the end of the bench who doesn't get on the floor, most likely. Is that happening or not? Because he put up that, that post on, on Twitter and then I, or Instagram, one of those two, and then he took it down, and they never actually announced that formally. Are, oh. are they waiting on I, that? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I saw, saw, I saw I it coming from other people. I didn't see one from him specifically. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. It was really weird. I wonder if they're waiting to see who gets bought out just in case, like a surprise name or something. But they, I also heard they want him in there to help the locker room, you know, adjust to having all these new guys. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he's replacing Channing as your bench guy that just keeps everybody together, that makes sense. You put him in when somebody mounts off and he puts a forearm in him and yeah, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind seeing That's him well. dish out a few playoff fouls. Uh, <laughs> but the one thing he was good for a couple of years ago was... Uh, the Dante Jones Memorial technical foul. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, maybe uh, Dante uh, better keep his phone charged up because the uh, Cavs are going to have a couple roster spots to fill here. I don't know. but uh, I'd sign him in a heartbeat. I, 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 just anybody from that championship team. And he filled a funny role. Like, just do it. It's funny. He gave us like four good, like a couple of good minutes in that in was game, it game six. Six, he, he yeah, had that, uh, got really under their skin. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. He drew like two fouls on Draymond. He got uh, got some points. It was uh, that that was one of those like holy shit, this might really be our year. Um, oh God, good memories. But uh, speaking of big all... winners today, can we all agree that the big winner is Paul Pierce now? <laughs> Not gonna have to deal with uh, with the Isaiah Thomas tribute. Oh, no. Instead, he's going to have the entire day usurped by the fact that it's going to be the first game that all these new Cavs are playing together. Oh, like, who's going to that game? That. Like, who's, who outside of Boston is watching that game giving a shit about Paul Pierce's uh, ceremony now when you're going to have the presumptive favorites of the East playing with a whole new roster for the first time? Was anyone outside of Boston going to care about that to begin with? Eh, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> He's, he's not Kobe. They don't love him like that. Draymond uh, already told us that. <laughs> yeah. I I was laughing because like I I even when that whole thing dusted up a few weeks ago, I said even then I go this this as dumb as this looks now, it's going to look even more ridiculous if Isaiah gets traded three days before the Cavs go in there. And sure enough, here we are. Yeah, so, all of that drama was for absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So. I say they should still run the tribute anyways. <laughs> Why not? Thanks for the memories, Isaiah. Oh, it's it's been something. All yeah, right, that's, that's a good word for it. <laughs> any uh, any other thoughts on the uh, the the trade deadline and uh, just uh, the dramatic reshaping of the Cavs today? I'm curious. Now, while you're on here, what would you have put the 
Cavs odds to a make it out of the East and even more, you know, long shot ish to beat the Warriors before and after the trade. I think they're probably 50% maybe to get out of the East and one to 2% to beat Golden State. I was that negative. I don't know that they're noticeably higher to beat Golden State at this point, maybe five to 10. Um, but I think their chances of taking the East have, have gone up uh, dramatically. Yeah, I'd say my my pre-trade percentages were pretty much exactly that. And post-trade, yeah, it's probably 60 70% that we're going to make it out of the East. I mean, we have to see these guys together, but just assuming that it works, you know, um, that these guys play to their, their career levels, I, I would anticipate we'd make it out of the East. And with Golden State, um, you never know where suddenly a bunch of wings with some height and shooting, you know, and a couple guys who can put the ball on the floor and, and that's what you need, you know, maybe an injury here or there and the odds go up to 20%. <laughs> and, that, and that's, that's exciting. I'll take 20%. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there and you guys can laugh at me now if you want. I am I not a hundred percent convinced that if the Cavs make the finals, they see golden state. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think I, that's am, ins- I don't think it's insane. I think I'm legitimately impressed by what I've seen from Houston. That that is a good team. They're locked in. Um, they they've got a defined style. They know in an identity. They know what they want to do. They're all on the same page. Um, and especially if they can go get somebody to kind of fill out their roster at the after the buyouts are all completed. Um, I, that team, I think, is going to be a real pain in the ass for Golden State in the playoffs. Now, to be fair, I think the Warriors are, are throttling it down a little bit in the regular season um, just because they, they really have nothing left to prove in a regular season. They're not going to be hitting 73 wins again or anything like that. So, uh, And it's just freaking hard to, to stay up that many years in a row. I think you got to kind of pick your spots, and I think that's why we've seen the Cavs be lackluster at times in the regular season over the last couple of years. But um, – I will say I don't think Golden State's bench is as good as it's been in past years, and and Houston I think is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. So, my two cents. Yeah, I don't think that's insane. I think I think Houston will give them a hell of a series. I think it could look a lot like um, two years ago when Durant was still in Oklahoma City when they were up three one um, and just. I, nobody really expected them. I don't think, and, and I'm not sure why. In hindsight, nobody expected OKC to really give them a, to give them a run, and they did. But I, th- I would expect probably a similar series to that. Where I don't know, Golden State's just. I just think they're too damn good to beat four times out of seven. I I agree. I don't see anybody actually being. I agree. Houston probably has the best shot, and they'll push them. But I could see the Thunder being pesky too. You know, they've played them tough every time in the regular season, and Paul George is locked in. Steven Adams is incredible and doesn't get a lot of credit for it. You know, they kind of have a big physical lineup that that's the kind of stuff that the Warriors don't really love. Um, yeah, I can see the Thunder, if they continue to play this well, being a team that could push them six, seven games and, and make them work too. And if, they have the, if the bracket breaks or they have to play both of those teams, they could definitely stumble. You know, one injury here or there could make them stumble pretty easily. It sucks that OKC lost Robertson for the year. It does. Oh, that, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of guys on that team that I like. I've never really enjoyed watching Carmelo at all, but um, Russell Westbrook is super fun. Like you said, Stephen Adams is is good and he's interesting. And, and Paul George has got a nice game too. So um, 
I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of them in the playoffs. That'd be fine. But, uh, all right. Hey, before we get out of here, I, I did want to mention, um, you know, we're all part of the, uh, the waiting for next year.com family and, and WFNY is uh, celebrating 10 years this week. And I think that's something really awesome. Um, now, uh, how long have you been? I was trying to do the math on this. When, when did you start doing stuff for WFNY? I want to say it's been like a year and a half. That Does long that already? Right? I think so. Man, I'd have to go back and look. Wow. All right. Well, we've, we've been on since uh, right around uh, the holidays. We started uh, around Thanksgiving, and um, it, it's been a lot of fun being – uh, part of the fold and uh, you and the rest of the guys that are uh, on the, the the slack channel uh, certainly uh, they break up the work day for me it's uh, <laughs> uh, I, it's what the kids call lit <laughs> i think that i use that right someday we just need to broadcast what happens on the slack channel for, for everybody <laughs> no, what happens on the slack channel stays on the slack channel but uh, <laughs> no it's uh it, it's it's been a lot of fun and uh you know, it's good getting to, you know, bring you on here and appreciate you joining us. And, and you also did uh, something for uh, the way for next year uh, YouTube page, right? Uh, re- regarding the uh, the trade deadline. What uh, what do you got cooking over there? Yeah, I went on with Josh Baloha and we, we broke it down as well. We've been trying to do more and more um, on the YouTube channel and do some video stuff. Not if we'll pivot to video or, or anything like that, but we know. Speaking of the kids, the kids love them some videos. So we've been trying to just do some shorter stuff over there that, you know, articles take a lot of time. You know, podcasts are, are more long form and, and that's great. But sometimes you need something that's easy to digest in five or ten minutes. So we've been trying to push out some of that as well, some more instant reaction type stuff. So, yeah, definitely check us out on YouTube. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff happening on the WFNY YouTube channel. And, um, you know, YouTube changed their rules uh, for, for brand pages. And, you know, we needed to get the subscriber count up and just kind of seeing the followers uh, for the site, it's just kind of gravitating over there in mass to, to hit over a hundred or over a thousand subscribers within the last three weeks has been awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, I would encourage everybody go check out uh, what Nam did over there with uh, the trade deadline uh, video he's working on. He's put up a lot of other good stuff and a lot of other uh, WFNY uh, staff members contributing on there as well. Uh, Trev, any last uh, thoughts, uh, WFNY or otherwise, uh, before we close up shop? Uh, no, I echo what you just said. I mean, it's been we I've, we've obviously been a part of it for very very short time, but it's been a lot of fun seeing you know sort of how that how it all comes together and seeing what sort of how much work actually does go into it. So I think it's really exciting. Obviously, yeah, that that YouTube push was pretty big over the last I don't know, just a couple days. They had a, it sort of seemed like it, they were, you know, plotting kind of slowly. And then over the course of like two or three days, all of a sudden they're well past a thousand and everybody's breathing easy. So it was nice to see that. Um, but no, it's been fun and I'm excited to, you know, keep doing what we're doing and see where it goes. Yep. Well, you will be able to see all of uh, our podcast posted on waitingfornextyear.com. And uh, if you like the show, we encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or for you Android users, we are on Google Play. And we are also on Stitcher as well. Uh, like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. 
I think that will do it for us for this week. Uh, working on something really fun for the early part of next week. I'm, I'm hoping that pulls through, but uh, one way or another, I think we will be uh, back on next week. So our uh, thanks again to Jeff Nomina for joining us here to break down all the uh, craziness with the Cavs. It's been a fun day and uh, setting us up for a good uh, ride into June here, hopefully. Uh, for Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast